0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit Gospelite.org.
1: Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be there the whole time. I'll have a couple of verses for the screen, but if you get to Acts 2, you're going to be in the happy place this morning. That's the place in the Word of God that we're going to just let explode and teach us something today. If you need a worship guide, would you raise your hand? And these great ushers, great ushers are going to get that to you. Well, uh, this past, um, I don't know if it was winter or spring, the, uh, there was a movie that came out that kind of took the, the nation by storm. It was a musical. I got to admit, when I first went to it, um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't expect much. I thought, well, this will be fun. I'll do this for my daughter. She wanted to go, you know, and so I took her. Man, I enjoyed it so much that I went back again and again, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell you it again and again and again, but I did. I enjoyed it and, uh, and loved this, this movie called The Greatest Showman. Story about the life of P.T. Barnum, a great circus uh, inventor, if you will, and entrepreneur, and he took the, really the world by storm with his showmanship and uh, just a really, a really neat a neat show. And, a, and, a, and really a great message, a good family show, a message about what's important and priorities. And some of those things we'll, we'll unveil as, as the Sundays roll on in this fun summer sermon series that's going to make us aware of some things, I think, through a very exciting show, if you will, a movie. But something that really, I think the Lord has, has impressed upon me some things that this, the songs in the movie helped me to understand. And and so I want to take just a moment and show you some of the songs we're going to do live, but not the first one. The first one was way too much. It was too much to to contain. But how many of you, just out of curiosity, in the audience today, in the balcony on the main floor, just out of curiosity, how many of you, at least once, went and saw either video or movie or you've got the DVD, you saw The Greatest Showman? Would you raise your hand? All right, good. I would say probably 80, 90% of the church. In fact, it's funny, right after... (laughs) after I preached the sermon in the first service, one of the members that came up to me and gave me this, said, Preacher, I thought this might help your sermon series. I said, where'd you get that? She said, well, you, I know you liked it so much. I just went to the movie house and said, my pastor wants to, likes the movie. Can I have the poster? And she framed it for me. Isn't that sweet? So anyway, hey, I felt very loved this morning by that precious lady. That was awesome. So I want to show you like 60 seconds. And the purpose of this really is just to get you to understand that much of what I'm going to be talking about in Acts chapter 2 does come from the energy. There was an energy level in the beginning of the movie. If you remember, there was like a, you know, it was like, oh, and you just kind of, it got you. And then, bam, here comes this gentleman, and he's celebrating the circus. And the greatest show, at least for the sake of the movie and the circus on earth. So here, just watch 60 seconds, and I'll, I'll go to Acts 2. I'm <laughs> And it's here right in front of you. This is where you want to be. Do you believe that? Do, do you believe that, that everything we could ever want and everything we could ever be could be not found in a circus, but in Jesus and in the local church? Is it true that everything we could ever want, everything that we could ever be could be found in a person? It could be found in a place called the local church that he established. Wow so with that thought, I want to disagree with Mr. Barnum that the greatest show on earth is not a circus under a tent, but it's a fellowship of believers that gather together in the name of Jesus to celebrate his his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his reign forever and ever. Because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So with that said, I bring to you more energy than Mr. Barnum could bring to the greatest circus on earth. And I want to talk to you about the greatest show. You know, I began to look at some of the notes in the New Testament. And I just had fun in my study. I just put in the word great. You know, preachers do that. They put in a word and they look for verses to support their truth. And I put in the word great and bam, I thought, wow. Wow. The book of Acts, the the church book, the one that talks about the church is full of reminders of the word great in reference to the church. For instance, in Acts chapter number four, in verse 33, it says this, and with great power, the apostles were giving their, with great power, these guys were standing up and talking about Jesus. And then it says, and great grace was upon them all. Great power, great grace, meaning great love, was upon them all because they had something worth talking about that was great. And as a result of that, this morning, by the way, just in case you were wondering, I carry to you the same message the apostles did Back 2,000 years ago. And what's funny is 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts, they were gathering in the name of Jesus. 2,000 years later, we're still gathering in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something. The greatest show on earth movie will fade away and becomes extinct. But we're still gathering and celebrating Jesus 2,000 years later. This show never goes away. It's amazing because it's great. It's truly great. Another reference in the book of Acts is found in eight chapter 8 where it says, And there was great joy. Great joy in the city, the great joy was coming from what God was doing as a result of Pentecost and the establishing of the church and people that were coming to know the Lord. Do you know one of the most, one of the places that you can find the most frowns on Sunday is in church. People are more happy at the restaurant than they are in church. People smile more at Cracker Barrel than they do at church. People smile more at Chick-fil-A, not on Sundays, thank God, than they do at church. Honestly. Honestly. But I I, I truly am amazed. That's why if you're here today and maybe you feel somewhat discouraged about what's happening in your life, there needs to be a place you can go and experience real joy, wonderful joy that is not just dependent upon circumstances of the week, but on a Savior that lives inside of you. Great joy. And then Acts chapter 5 verse 11 talks about a great fear that come upon the church, Ananias and Sapphira. Didn't do so well, and uh, they were disobedient. And the whole purpose of this great fear was a reverential fear of God. In other words, it was a healthy fear of God in response to the fact that God is serious about the church. He's serious about our offerings. He's serious about our worship. And God says, look, I'm so serious. I I can make an example sometimes in certain ways. For instance, uh, there are things I believe that happen in our church, in our nation, in our city as a result of disobedience to God. We need to be faithful to God and understand that there is, it is good when you wake up Sunday mornings and choose church over sleep. Amen. A lot of people die in their sleep. That's why I never sleep. <laughs> but I don't want to be in bed on Sundays. I've got a healthy fear of God. He wants me here. He wants to be in a local church. And so I'm here. And then the Bible goes on to talk about this great persecution that came against the church. I think it is very important that we understand that serving God isn't always easy. Sometimes there's going to be great persecution. There could be tribulation. And and, and I, I, every day, every morning, well, Monday through Friday, I should say, I pray for the persecuted church. And I pray, because I know there are many Christians in, in this world today that are giving their lives for the sake of the gospel. Because the gospel is so great that they're willing to endure great persecution. What are you willing to endure for the name of Jesus, Acts eleven twenty it is so great that there are a great number of people who turn to the Lord. I mean, when, when something is great, there are going to be great conversions and a great number of people that turn to God. Not everybody in Hot Springs knows the Lord. And so Acts chapter 2 introduces us to the kind of church that God wants gospel-like to be. What kind of church does he want us to be? He wants us to be a spirit-filled church. He desires for us to be a Bible-believing church. He wants us to be a Christ-exalting church. When we have those three components, I'm convinced that we are a mighty weapon in the hand of an almighty God. And I want to be that kind of church. To me, any other church is just a gathering of people. It's no different than Cracker Barrel. It's no different than the greatest showman movie. I mean, if all we're doing is just getting together to kind of put our our, our token attendance for the week in, then I don't know. To me, that's not what this is about. This is about more than that. If this is about Christ-exalting, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled people coming together to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ every single Sunday morning. So what are three reasons why the local church is the greatest show on earth and not the circus? All right? Let me tell you why. Number one, because the local church exalts the Savior. The local church exalts the Savior. This is all about Jesus. Every song we sang was about Jesus. Every, it, 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 the, the song that was sung, I will call upon the Lord for he's strong enough to save And then, So Will I, that song that Tiffany introduced with a tremendous testimony about the power of creation and how we can see God in the galaxies he created. And and we stand in wonder of an almighty God who has created all of us in this room and created us. She pointed out the hill that his son would die on. And we worshiped in that moment. And then Jordan Elkins is writing good music. And I can assure you, Jordan understands the theology of worship is not to point attention downward, but but vertical worship. And so we sing, Abba, Father, you called us as your own, Abba, Father, forever. But is it forever? We are known, so let your love be lifted up. So let your love be lifted up. Wow. We want to exalt the Savior. Yesterday, I got to hear my dad speak at St. Mary's. I'm really good friends with the priest there, and I... I got to put a good word in from my dad. He said, man, your dad's a deacon. Let him come speak over there. And they all said the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> my dad, if I could just say this, he had that group of Catholics mesmerized. His message was so powerful. For the Catholic church, they, they're celebrating Pentecost. I thought, well, look at this, dad. I didn't even know, but I'm, I'm right in the middle of Pentecost, right where you were yesterday. And talking about how powerful the Holy Spirit is. And the fact that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved, and Peter stands up to preach the gospel. I wonder what Peter is going to say. Well, first of all, I want you to know, he's going to lift up Jesus, because that's really the only kind of preaching there is, is lifting up Jesus. Anything that lifts up man is not preaching, it's just talking. But when you preach, you've got to lift up Jesus. It's not about drawing attention to man or drawing attention to worshipers, it's about drawing attention to the one we are worshiping. And so let me give you the four points here real quickly of this great sermon that he preached. The early church grew because it lifted up Jesus. And here's how it lifted up Jesus. Look, first of all, at the fact that he preached about the manner of Jesus's life. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him. That's what Peter's message was about. This man, Jesus, who did all these mighty, wonderful miracles and these amazing things. We seem to need to be reminded of how awesome God is every Sunday because we forget, don't we? How quickly do we forget? How quickly do we live our lives in doubt, forgetting all the things that Jesus has already done in our lives? Amen. And he preached about his life. Secondly, he preached about the meaning of Jesus' death. Notice he says, this Jesus delivered up. In verse number 23 here, he says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan. The definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. The death of Jesus was God's plan to save mankind. Amazing. His death was not an accident. His death was God's plan to save you and to save me and to save us from our sins and so that we could have eternal life forever in heaven. He preached about the miracle of his resurrection. Look at verse 24. Isn't it beautiful? God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was possible for him. It was not possible for him to be held by death. God raised him up. He preached about his resurrection. Literally, the message that Peter had was the manner of his life and, and the meaning of his death and the miracle of his resurrection. And then finally, the magnificence of his reign. If you read verses 33-35, through 35, you find it ends with him sitting at the right hand of God on the throne of God. He reigns forevermore. We don't serve a God who is dead. We serve a God who is alive. Amen? And that's what Peter preached about. The great local church is all about exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the attractive power of the church. He's the attractive power. He's why we're here. And listen, if I believe that then I cannot come into the sanctuary on sunny mornings with a gloom and doom, negative, woe is me message. Listen, church, if, 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 if the only thing that ever happened to me was that I got saved September the 1st, 1978, that's enough to praise God a hundred billion times. Amen. But I have good news for you. There's been a whole lot more wonderful things happened to me since I've been saved such as a wife and five beautiful children and and friends like you and a beautiful church and, and a house over my head and food in my belly. Come on. It goes on and on and on. You say, well, I've never thought about that. That's why I'm here telling you. Think about these things. Jesus is responsible for all of that. He is worthy of our praise. We need to exalt him. He is our Savior. And we can't worship him enough. He's everything you could ever want. He's everything you need. And he's here right in front of you. You say, where? Right in front of you. Jesus is in this place. He's here. The presence of God is here. We need to recognize that presence and exalt him and worship him. Number two, I believe that the local church is the greatest show on earth because, secondly, the local church evangelizes the sinners. We have a great... Responsibility. You know, we started off our church within a small storefront building with a handful of people. Yes. But since that day, there have been many that have come to know the Lord because that's the job of the local church. And that's why it's the greatest show on earth, because because this is the place where the gospel is preached and people can come to know Christ. I know not everybody was saved in the local church, but I was. I was saved in a local church service. I was saved in a building like this When I walked an aisle. I, mine's more of a traditional conversion in the sense that a preacher preached, gave an invitation. I came down the aisle and was entrusted. I mean, these, these are the things that can happen in the house of God. And it's not just converting to Christ and salvation. But there are times when you and I come to church, we're already saved. There may be... There are many of us that are saved, if not all of us or most of us, potentially. But I will say this. We're still here to be continually converted by God. He's not done with us yet. There's still a work of art that God is doing in all of our lives. So, number one, these are the five steps to a true conversion found in Acts chapter 2. And I want to begin with this, a very obvious one. Number one is they must be convicted by the Spirit. You'll find that in verse number 33 of our text. You'll notice it here. Let me read it to you. Now, let me, it's 37. Here it is. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. I wonder who did that. Who cut them to the heart? And then notice what they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles. Brothers, what shall we do? What what shall we do? Here's what happens when you're convicted by the Spirit. You walk out of the house of God saying, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? What do I need to do about what I just heard? We're not just here to, to, to play and, and to have a good time and to smile. We are here to do this. We're also here to let the Holy Spirit of God convict us and bring us to tears at times. Have you ever felt the moving of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever experienced the peace of God while you're worshiping God and you've had some anxiety that week and and, and you've you've been discouraged and you've been worried and you've been depressed and maybe you've even had an anxiety attack? It's the whole reason my friend Robert Bax wrote the book, What to Do in Panic Attacks. Because the, the, the people are under great anxiety in the church of God. People are worried. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And God says, peace, man. Whoa. What are you freaking out about? We come to church and we experience the moving of the Holy Spirit and someone sings a song and says, we're not going to fear. And we're like, yes, God, man, I'm glad I came to church to experience the peace of God in God's house because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the voice of someone that changed you. It was the Holy Spirit of God that cuts you and, and, and symbolically speaking, cut to the heart and caused you to say, what do I need to do? That's why we sing that song. Holy Spirit, you are welcome come flood this place and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what my heart longs for to be overcome by your presence Lord that's why we sing that we want the Holy Spirit of God to flood this place every week you can't leave the same way you came if you let him flood your heart he'll change you he'll convict you he'll he'll speak to you he will number two We must be converted to the Lord. Now there's a conversion point in everyone's life. In fact, in verse number 38, you'll see here that Peter said to them, repent. Repent. That's what Peter said. That's the converting point. When you repent of your sins and you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's an amazing moment. Because that is the first moment that my mind was changed about some things. When I repented of my sin, first of all... To repent means a change of mind. So you change your mind about three things. One, about sin. Amen. I, I say to sin, I I I realize I'm a sinner, and, and I I've got to forgive me of my sin. I'm not I'm not self righteous at that moment. I understand that I deserve to go to hell. I am I am not worthy to go to heaven in and of myself. So I confess my sin. I repent of my sin, and I ask Jesus Christ in His precious blood to cover me and save me. But then I begin to repent more. In fact, I repented a lot more since the day I got saved than I did the day I got saved. I mean, it's amazing. Almost every day I'm repenting. You know what I repent secondly of? Not just sin, but self. I'm selfish. Anybody else here like me? I'm selfish. I do. I mean, I, I want, I want my way. I want what I want. You know, I mean, I just that way. I, my flesh. Remember now, I got saved. Oh, my, my flesh is, is is still not like Jesus. I, I anybody else got an issue with their flesh? Sometimes you want to do the things that you know you shouldn't do. Am I the only one? Thank you. Good. At least a dozen of us are in that boat. We all we we, we probably need counseling, but we got a lot of people that can counsel us. It's great. And so, self. Man, I am the most selfish person in the house at 621 3rd Street. I have to repent all the time of my selfishness. But I'm grateful for that because I get to change. When I repent, God changes my mind about self. And I begin to realize not only I can't save myself, but I can't live this Christian life without Jesus. And then thirdly, I change my mind about sin. I change my mind about self. I changed my mind about the Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. It's all about Jesus. And I changed my mind about Jesus. And I realized He's got to be on the throne of my heart. Not my wife, not my kids, not you, not this church, not a denomination, but Jesus. Jesus needs to be my Lord and my Savior. So I'm converted. I'm, I'm convicted. Look at number three. There must be a public confession of the Lord. That public confession is found in verse number 38. And it says this. I love it. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Wow. Peter didn't say, repent and be baptized if you want to. Peter didn't say, repent and be baptized if if you feel good about it. No, he said, repent, every one of you, repent and be baptized. You know why? Because somebody that truly repents doesn't care about getting baptized. They're fine with it. Let's go. I've never met anybody who's truly been converted to the Lord and not wanted to get baptized. Never one. I've never met anybody like that. There's nobody that truly gets saved that's not willing to follow God in believers baptism because baptism is an outer expression of what took place on the inside. It's what it is. It's an outward expression. The New Testament confession of Jesus Christ is baptism, open baptism, public baptism. And and I love the little story of the little boy in junior church. He he was in junior church and it was right down on his level, right? And he, he walked in the aisle and got saved. And then he looked up at the junior church preacher, not the big church preacher, the junior church preacher. And he said, What do I need to do next? And he, he said, You need to be baptized. Go over to the big church and tell the pastor you want to be baptized. So he went over to the big church and found the pastor. He said, Mr. Pastor, I got saved and I want to be advertised. About right. That's what baptism is. It's advertising what happened on the inside. It's it's, it's unashamedly saying, I want to identify myself with the church and with Jesus and what he he did for me. So there must be a confession. There must be controlled by the Lord. Look at verse 38 as we move along here. Verse 38 says, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I like that right there. I'm beginning to understand what it means to be controlled by the Holy Ghost. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be controlled by man. I have did that long enough. I don't want to be controlled by fear. I don't want to be controlled by the fear of man. That's a combination of both. (laughs) I want to be controlled by the Spirit of God. You know why? Because He lives inside of me. If you're saved, did you know that He lives inside of you? Inside of He can literally, as you yield to Him and surrender to Him, He can tell you what to do, what, where to go, and who to talk to, and He can lead you. Hey, Jim, that's what you and I experienced at Cracker Barrel this week, right? We're eating at Cracker Barrel, a little breakfast, a couple of bros just having some good old... Actually, we both ordered healthy. Believe it or not, Jim does eat healthy every now and then. No, I'm joking. We had yogurt and we had some weird stuff. I mean, you know, egg whites. I don't even know what it was. I, we ordered a breakfast. She, you want egg whites? I'm like, well, okay. I, you know, turkey sausage or something. I don't know. We, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And we had us a four-star. Stephen, where are you at? Stephen Sellers. Are you a four-star? My man. A four-star right there. Now, I know there's four-star generals, but there's also four-star Cracker Barrel waiters and waitresses. Amen. These guys are good. We have a four star. But I noticed she didn't have a four star smile. I would imagine if you get four stars, Jim, I'd imagine you're supposed to be the best of the best, but she was not on her best day. We could see that. As we began to talk with her, she began to cry. And she said, Would you guys pray with me right now? And Jim and I, we held her hand and we just prayed. And We just asked God to meet her needs and we didn't know what she was going through. We didn't ask a lot of questions, but I can tell you in the Cracker Barrel restaurant this past, whatever it was, Thursday or so, Wednesday or Thursday, we had prayer with a four-star Cracker Barrel who wasn't acting like a four-star Cracker Barrel because she was hurting inside. And when we got finished and prayed with her, I looked at Jim and I said, we just sowed some seed. The Spirit of God led us to this table to talk to this lady so she could cry. Let us pray for her. You says, is that how it works? That's how it should work for every believer. You just, go, you, you just walk and go and be led by the Spirit. Just be led. Go over here. No, no, we we'll go this way. All right, I'll go this way. Go, go, shake, go shake her hand. I want to shake your hand. Hey, how are you? Good to see you today. Love you. You say, you really believe? You didn't just, no, I really believe. God, there's a lot of people in this room. Why don't I just shake her hand? Because she's prettier than everybody else. and Other than my wife and daughter, right? And Tiffany and Susanna. You're about fifth, okay. (laughs) Here's my point. Here's my point is I have a little fun in church. It's okay to have fun in church. But here's my point. My point is we can all be led by the Spirit. I can promise you, and don't miss this, and I'll come back to it in just a minute. I've got a few more minutes. I'm good. It's 1150. Listen, my point is this. It is not God's will for any believer who's a member of our church to come in church and sit it's not God's will. It's not God's will for you to do that. God is not leading you to walk in and sit. God wants everybody to walk in and be led by the spirit. There's somebody he wants you to greet. There's some lonely saint that needs to be encouraged. There's somebody that needs to hear the words. I love you. And if you're that one, then just sit. We'll be there soon. We'll be there soon. We'll be there soon. Because everybody needs somebody. This is why we're controlled by the Spirit. Salvation is not getting man out of earth into heaven. Salvation is getting God out of heaven into man. That's what salvation is. He's coming down to live inside of us so that while we live on earth, we're living just like He would live if He were here. God has no hands but our hands to do His work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men to His way. He has no tongue but our tongue to tell men that Christ died. He has no help but our help to lead men to his side. We're the only gospel this careless world will read. We're the sinner's gospel. We're the scoffer's creed. We're the Lord's last message written in deed or in word. So what if the line be crooked or what if the print be blurred? What if our hands are busy with other works than his? And what if our feet are leading where sin's allurement is? And what if our tongues are speaking of things that Christ would spurn? How can we hope to aid him and hasten his return? You and I have a responsibility to be Jesus on this earth because he lives inside of us. And then number five, they must continue to be a servant. I love this. Verse 41 speaks of this continuing. It says, uh, look at verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized. They were added that day about 3,000. And they devoted themselves. The King James, I think, says it best here. And they continued steadfastly themselves they continued you see salvation is not a one-time thing salvation is something that happens one time a moment in time where you get saved but then there is something called continuing this is how you know you truly are saved as you continue you continue in the word of god you continue steadfastly you continue to be a servant jesus did not make us primarily just to make a decision If you're putting your salvation in some decision, Jesus called us to make disciples. And that should be on the screen. Not primarily making decisions, but making disciples. I am to be not just a decision maker. You know how many times people make decisions but never follow through? There's got to be continuing. And when you continue, it proves you really meant what you said. So there must be a continuance and we must be a servant of the living God. And then number three, in closing, I believe the local church is the greatest show on earth because the local church enlists the saints. I love this. This is, this is my closing. This is the funnest part of the message because truly this is what takes all of us into a place of more than just members. This is where we really are able to, to understand God has called us to something here in what we call the greatest show on earth. You know, what's interesting is in the movie, if you watched the movie, you remember when things got really good, when things exploded, it was when everybody was going out, passing out those fires. Those posters were coming down. Remember that? Come alive, come alive. I'm night your light. Gonna burn so bright. Lift it up to the sky. That whole song was about, hey, come alive. Come, come, come. Amen. Why don't we feel that way about the church? Come alive. When's the last time you grabbed some tracks out there and passed them out? That's what they did. and They filled up the whole circus with because they went out. People don't just show up. They got to be invited. So we enlist the saints. Darian, you blessed my heart yesterday. Let me, let me say the bearded wonder again here. <laughs> These guys got the best beard in the house. Darren yesterday we was watching... It was at uh, Cassie's uh, graduation party, and Darren looked at me. He goes, "And you don't know how? I bless my heart, because you didn't know what I was preaching." And Darren looks at me. and he goes, "Hey, preacher, man, I got somebody coming tomorrow. I'm pumped." That's what he said. Now Darren's pretty much pumped all the time. I mean, if you if you look at him, I mean, he, he's pumping something. I'm hoping <laughs> he's pumping iron, but he's also he's hey, he's pumped about Jesus. And so when he introduced me to his friend. I think he was way more excited than his friend was. Because Darian was pumped. I mean, he had someone coming. I
0: love that.
1: That's called enlisting the saints. That's what we do. Notice here in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. So number one, write this down. Join the community of a small group. This is the first way that you can be a part of the greatest show on earth. Number one, get in a small group. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you wanted to, to come to the to the big service. Well, you're already here. I mean, it's, this 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 is great, but I'm telling you, if you want to get involved, you've got to get in a small group because that is where we care for you. That's where we share with one another our deepest needs. You know, it's hard for the pastor to... to Maybe somebody here's thinking, well, he didn't take me out for breakfast this week. Porter, how'd you get so lucky? Well, first of all, he asked. And second of all, there's only seven breakfasts a week. And I try to have a couple with my family, maybe. And you try to spread things out a little bit, you know. And so I don't, you can't, it's hard to take everybody out to breakfast. But if you're in a small group, (laughs) you may not have the pastor as much as you'd like him. But guess what? You have each other every week. And the best way to live a healthy Christian life is to be accountable to a small group. You small group leaders have no idea the burden of responsibility you carry in in leading that little small family within the large family. But they gather together steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This is a major part of gospel light. This is how we miss you when you're sick. We, we, We miss you not because we, you know, we, we, we didn't see you in the big service. I can't, I don't even know who's here this morning. It's hard to see a crowd this size. But when you're in a small group and you're missed, when it's 10 or 12 people, when it's 15 folks, hey, my small group over here, we have us a time in this little room at 445 every Wednesday. I've got kind of a senior saints small group because I'm getting close to senior saint. And, um, and we have a good time. And man, we, I love those people. And we just love on each other. We pray for one another. I know when they're sick. I know when they're feeling bad. I know when their grandkids are hurting. I know how to pray for these because we meet together every week. I know more about Raz's four kids, where they live, where they are, what's going on. I even know right now he's got a granddaughter that needs special prayer, right? I know that. How do you know that? You don't know that with my granddaughter because he's in my small group. And we meet, we talk. We got this connection because we're in a small group. This is important. This is a big part of the DNA of our church. Number two, get involved, secondly, in the fellowship. Notice it says here, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. We need each other. You can't do this by yourself. Too many times. And by the way, if you are trying to do it by yourself, no doubt in my mind, you're going to crash and burn. I mean, you just can't live the Christian life by yourself. I can't do it. The reason why pastors fall and fall into sin is they have no accountability. The reason why some, so many churches are, 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 are get in trouble is because there, it's a one-man show, and it can't be a one-man show. Jesus did not intend this to be Lone Ranger Christianity. He intended us to live life together, to be accountable. That's why you've got 12 apostles, and even the smallest group you have in Jesus' life, was Jesus and Peter, James, and John. But they needed each other. There was a fellowship. I need you. You need me. I love Hebrews 10. Just, we'll go to that one real quick. Hebrews 10, verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit. It needs to be a habit. We meet together. We fellowship. We need each other. We don't want to be a program-centered church. We want to be a relationship-centered church. We need each other. We need to have relationships here. It's not about plastic surgery every Sunday. You know, put on my church face. This is not really who I am because I can't let anybody know who I am because my life is a mess. Well, so is mine. I mean, I, I'm raising a special needs child and I'm raising teenagers and you guys know what that's like, right? <laughs> that doesn't mean like everything's perfect. Amen. I mean, you want to know who the real Capace family is? We were the ones cleaning up Gloria Ann's bloody nose this morning at 5 o'clock. Look, I like got another murder scene on her bed. That's who we are. We're not this, okay? This is this is what, you know. Boy, pastor is so sharp. He's just got it together.
0: Got it together? Who told you that? We're a mess. We got all kinds of issues. Take that to the city and tell him, my pastor's a mess. He's got
1: issues. And then let them tell you the truth about theirs. Because if they're honest, none of us are all together. None of us are the perfect family. We've all got things we're struggling with. That's why we need each other. That's why we need small group and fellowship. We must all be friendly. Let me give you the top four reasons why someone comes to church. Here it is, starting with number four. 7% joined because of denomination. How do you like that? 7% come because it's Baptist. I'll only go to, a, and they don't say Baptist, Baptist. When they really come for that reason, they're Baptist. I'm Baptist born and Baptist dead and or Baptist bred. And when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. 7% are like that. Okay. Then you've got 12% come because of location. I go to that church around the corner, down the street, it's 30 seconds away, two minutes away, five minutes away. It's, it's, it's the closest one to the house. And then 15% joined because of programs. Oh, they got a good youth program down there. I got a good nursery down there. Oh, man, you ought to see the rock climbing wall. It's
0: incredible.
1: What about the the preacher? I don't know. The rock climbing wall. It's incredible. What about the sermon? (laughs) I have no idea. But you ought to see the slippery slide. It's incredible. You know, they love it. But 50% come because of friendliness. 50 percent double triple quadruple of what the others are why because people need a nod they need a touch they need a friend they need a hug people need to be loved people need a good word every church needs this fellowship every church needs good greeters you say well i want my button listen if you're a greeter you don't need a button that says i'm a greeter i'm happy i know how to smile look at me you don't need that You don't need to wear a button that says "This is who I am." Just smile. Practice. Look. Let's let's practice. right? Everybody smile at count of three. It's really it's really cool. It'll make you feel so much better. One, two,
0: three. Hey, look!
1: It feels good to smile. It feels good to smile. And I know some of you, you're working hard right now. You're like, I'm smiling. I'm not doing it. It's okay. It's okay. We'll give you time. It's going to be okay. But everybody needs to smile. This is the most beautiful and attractive part of your life is your smile. We We need this. Number three, get involved in the worship. In the worship. I love verse 42. It talks about the breaking of bread and prayers. Breaking of bread meaning obviously the Lord's Supper. That's a great time of worship. And then you've got, I mean, that's that's acknowledging God's presence in in our lives, and it's powerful to to, to gather for the Lord's Supper, but also it says prayers. And I don't think it's just the three times or two times a service that we say ball for prayer. I think that's worship. I think that's what we did for 20 minutes a moment ago when we worshiped our great God. Get involved in that. Become a part of the worship. You say, well, what do you mean, sing? No, no, you don't have to sing. That, you to sing up here. In fact, they're just, they're just leading, and they're not, they're not here to do what we're supposed to do. They're up here to do what they're supposed to do and we're supposed to do. We're all worshiping. We just can't all fit on the stage. But we don't need to all be up here. It doesn't matter where we are in the building. Just worship. Worship God. Enjoy the worship. Get involved in the worship. And then number four, be involved in the stewardship we we'll find that in verse 43, 44, and 45. Look here, it says, And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions. Wait a minute, I better read that slow. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Aren't you glad we're not doing that this morning? How many are glad that we're not selling everything we have like they did and bringing it to the church this morning. Anybody else? Okay, those of you that didn't raise your hand, we can't wait for you to sell everything you have. It's really going to help us because my hand was up. I'm not, I don't have to sell everything. I mean, I, I, I can. I, I don't have time to develop why they did that. There was a contextual reason because something was happening back then that was requiring a whole lot more than, than just 10, 15, 20% of their income. But I think there's a message here. And I think the message is this. Everything that they owned was at the disposal of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is everything you own at the disposal of Jesus? If Jesus asked you this morning for your last penny, would you give it to him? The danger in talking about 10% is that you think the 90% belongs to you. That's the danger. It all belongs to God. So if he wants it all, we should give it to him. My my point being is this. It seems like the last thing that we want to give is our finances. And I I just want to encourage you not to make that the last thing. Man, listen, this church is only going to be great as it has people who are willing to give like this. I wrote down three quick things, three three goals in stewardship of the greatest show on earth, the local church. Number one, we need to overgive the budget. That's a good thing, man. When you overgive the budget, in fact, I think every church that has a reasonable budget and every member who gives faithfully every week or as they're blessed, that we would overgive the budget easily every week. Number two, then the staff needs to underspend the budget, which we're doing a really good job of that right now. I commend those in the financial office for how they're paying the bills on less, but they're underspending the budget. That's good. We want to do that when we're overgiving it, but we have to do it when we're under giving it. So you overgive the budget, you underspend the budget. And then number three, we need to be generous in giving to missions and other outreach opportunities. That's why I love to give my missions gift every week, my bus ministry gift every week. Because I know if I give to missions, I'm giving to all over the world. I'm giving to Thailand. I'm giving to Singapore. I'm giving to uh, Dominican Republic. I'm giving to China. I mean, this is amazing. And I get to do that. And I love that. It's a big part of my life is missions. And a big part of my life is giving to the bus ministry because that's local missions. I'm convinced you cannot fall in love with Jesus and not willingly give to his work. I, I just I have a hard time believing you really love Jesus, but you don't give to his local church. I just think the two go hand in hand. And I think the only thing that you give is not just your resources. You can give your time. That's what happened yesterday when about 10 folks came here to, to do the lawns. And they look so nice, don't they? They look so nice. And, and it was because people came and said, I'll give a couple of hours on Saturday to help help make the church look nice. It's amazing. Number five, and in closing, get involved in evangelism. Evangelism is found in verse 46 and 47 as we close the message. And as Acts chapter 2 comes to a close. And day by day, attending, uh, excuse me, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How cool is that? That's evangelism. When a church is operating like the greatest show on earth, if if you will let me borrow that, when a church is operating in that way, it is going to grow. It's going to grow. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7. Look at this. It's amazing. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Wow. This is God's will for the church of Jesus Christ. This excites me. And I would like to be a part of this. And that's why for this summer I'm I'm just going to spend my summer with you and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about what it means to be a part of the greatest show on earth, the church, and how that plays out and how we'll have a little fun with the songs. We'll have a little fun, but, but that's not gonna be the emphasis. The emphasis is gonna be on the word. And you can tell, I may have showed a 60 second clip of a movie, but I spent 40 minutes in God's word and shared 30 or 40 verses because this is what's preeminent. If I can use a tool like the greatest show to get across something like this, I'll do it anytime. But I'm not lifting up P.T. Barnum, or Hugh Jackman, I'm lifting up Jesus, because this is not everything you ever want or everything you ever need. Jesus is. Jesus is. Every head bowed, every eye closed. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, our invitation this morning is just simply a response to the message, a response to call upon the Lord, a response to say, "My, my, my, I need, I need." to be more involved in the greatest show on earth. The local church. I I, I want a part in this. I I want to be a part of a small group. Where do I start and who do I talk to? Oh, listen, I'd be a willing Doug, Butch, all three of us up front are elders. We kind of know some things that can maybe help you to become a part. Maybe you're looking for a spot to serve. I had a guy come to my office this week. He said... I just want to give an hour a week to the church. Where do you want me to put it? I thought that was so cool. He just said, "I want to give an hour a week to the church. Where do you want me to give it?" I love that. And and and, I, and I'll be honest. I, I gave him a spot. In fact, I'm meeting him Tuesday at three o'clock, and we're going to look at that spot. And he's going to he's going to help. I love that. Maybe you want just maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're here today. You're just looking for a way to connect and. And you want to be a part of this, this local church. Maybe here today, you've never been saved, you've never trusted Christ, you don't know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven, and, and you want to be converted for the very first time. I mean, this is the day of salvation for you, and you feel the conviction of the Spirit, but it's beginning with your salvation. It's beginning with repentance of sin. So that you can spend an eternity with Jesus. And this is the beginning of the rest of your life. And baptism would be next. And, and then there's a whole lot more to follow. And whatever it is you need to do, feel liberty to come and just join us at the altar. I'd be honored to pray with you or just minister with you for a moment. We're not going to take a long time. But we are going to begin to let God work. Father, bless this invitation. Speak to our hearts. Lord, as we begin this new sermon series, I pray that you would uh, just be with us and God us, and may it be a fun time, but also a time where, where we come to grips with what you've gifted us with, the great local church, the greatest show on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand?